You've survived the worst. Trauma, loss, rejection. The reality is, your pain can be a crutch, or it can be the thing that launches you. You're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience true freedom and breakthrough. Tune in each week as guests share their incredible life lessons from their personal stories and hear from experts who can give you the tools you need to stop surviving and start thriving. Here to help you find purpose through your pain is your host, Joseph James. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of Purpose Through Pain podcast. My guest today, Jennifer Neal, is helping bold, badass creatives take it to the next level online. After working in the adult industry, Jennifer set out to become a life coach only to be met with Facebook groups, funnels, live streams, and cookie cutter approaches. She dealt with shame and sexuality, worked from all those things to now a mindset, a powerful mindset of marketing. Jennifer covers it all while helping you get the confidence, the consistent and real in how to brand yourself. She was triggered by shame and fear of being seen online. She struggled to transfer her confidence and magnetism in front of a virtual audience. But I have brought her on here today to be able to not only help you to get you to understand where you're at, but where to go, how to get there, and how creative and powerful you can be with a simple mindset change. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on board. Thank you so much for having me. I know we're going to have an amazing conversation today. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So Jennifer, just, you know, we talked a little bit about backstage about, you know, you being in the adult industry. Take us back to that because I wouldn't say the number one reason, and you would know this more than I would, but the, the majority of reason why people get into the adult industry, maybe certain times ago, maybe not necessarily now, but has to do with self-esteem, has to do with the way they look themselves, the desire to be wanted, the desire to be looked at, um, the desire to be appreciated, uh, seeking approval from other people. Take me back to the childhood of Jennifer and what led up to all those things that now that that moved you into the adult industry? Yeah, that, that's, that's a great question. Um, I obviously never grew up imagining that I would cross the boundary into adult work. I grew up in a conservative household. I was raised Christian. That's not something that like ever would have been acceptable <laughs> to me before. But I did grow up with a single mom who struggled. We struggled financially. She worked a lot. Dad was not in the picture. So quote unquote, not to be crass, but dad issues. And when I was just starting to go to college, I literally was at a point where I was just exhausted. I was depleted inside. I was depressed. I had anxiety. I was hustling for something that I didn't think I actually wanted. I was supposed to go to school. I didn't really know if I actually wanted it or not. And what led me to the adult work was searching for financial relief. I, I was 20, 21. I just was struggling with my bills. I needed some relief. But obviously, as we know, the deeper side of that and, and being able to do something like that is that need to be seen and wanted, feel beautiful, accepted, and so on. 
And so what was it about when, when you, when you make the decision to go into that, where, when did you realize that it wasn't about the money, but it was about the self-esteem. It was about all the internal issues that you suffer because of, or that you went through because of dad not being in the picture, single, you know, single parent home struggles, things like that. When did that kind of click in your own mind that it was more than just that money was just the surface? Probably about, about three years into it. It took me some while to actually understand that because when I entered into it, I was a very unconscious, if you will, individual. I wasn't into self-help or spirituality or I, I, I wasn't there yet. Um, during my time, though, I did start to get into mindset, healing. Um, I started seeing a therapist. I got really, really depressed. And that's when I started to wake up and my eyes started to open as to what could have actually driven me to say yes to doing something like this. And I will, I will say this too. And, and most people have probably heard things like this when it comes to adult work, but it start, it starts with one thing. And then you get grilled to do another thing and another thing. So what started out as, okay, I'll do nude photo shoots, ended up into actual port and then actual high-end escorting. And I think it was the high-end escorting where I was having deep, intimate relationships with individuals who also had that same need to feel loved and accepted and safe and be able to be themselves. That was really my mirror for me to say, okay, I'm giving this to these people, but obviously I'm getting the same in return in a way. It was almost like an energy feeding an energy and it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the right energy that you needed to be around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy you know, and, and I'm not saying this is for every case, but sexual immorality within a marriage, okay? You know, ultimately, there's needs not being met. And most of them aren't the lack of a sexual need. It's the lack of communication. It's the lack of intimacy of just meeting their emotional needs. It's, there's a lot of underlining issues versus my wife or my husband isn't turned on or sexually attracted to me. Right. You know, right. It's more of, you're not meeting my needs emotionally, so I'm not going to be sexually turned on by you. Right, right. Um, I, I don't know if that's a uh, a blessing or a curse to women, but y'all have that power um, and don't. <laughs> you, you, you know, you you guys, you know, we can cook food wrong and you emotionally disconnect from us. A, a trigger from, you know, from things on, you know, now we're thinking, well, I didn't even argue with her. Why is she not doing anything to not touching me? <laughs> she gets up and leaves. I mean, you know, but, but women, I mean, I, 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 this is, this is a little comical, but I don't know if you've ever heard the comedian, Mark Grunger. No. He's a Christian comedian and he talks about men and women's brains. Okay. And he does marriage counseling around comedy. Okay. And it's so funny. He says, when he's talking about men. Men have different boxes in their mind. We have a box that's just to do with the truck. We have a box that does with guns. We have a box that does with the front yard 
the backyard, the lawnmower, the weights, the, the house. Each kid has their own box, right? Okay. And then we have the box that only men have, and that's the nothing box. And then we, when somebody asks us, what are you thinking about? And we're like, nothing. It's true. We're absolutely thinking about nothing. We're in our nothing box. But a woman, so every box for a man has its own compartment. It's its own file. Okay. You can't put the car inside with the house. Doesn't happen. Okay. You can't put the nothing box into something else. Okay. That's not how men think. That's not how God created us. Okay. However, a woman, (laughs) everything is connected to everything. The car is connected to the driveway. The driveway is connected to the house. The house is connected to the front backyard, the mother-in-law, the three kids down the street, the job, the social work, the groceries, the bills not being paid, the husband that's sitting on the couch. And so when you touch one, you touch them all. (laughs) So, you know, but going back to that, when you have a, a, a man, especially, you know, reaching out and going to adult stores or getting involved in, in, you know, uh, strip clubs and things like that, or adult entertainment, I should say. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a fleshly, you know, act and things like that, a gratitude, but ultimately, especially in the confines of marriage, it's the emotional need that's not being met, you know, and ultimately for like what you were saying, you were trying to find that emotional need to be met in your life. You paired it with money and that's, and a lot of people do, you know, right. the thing that I've learned in business is when an employee comes to me, starts complaining, you know, I'm like, okay, what's the problem? Oh, well, so and so did this. I'm like, okay, what's the real problem? Right. Surface, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's so easy to do that. Once you started to discover, once you started to understand that this is more deep and internal, already going through therapy, you know, it's way more than just money. What started to transpire then to get you out? And who did that take? It would. It took about a year and a half from really making the decision, I want to get out. I had always told myself, you know, this is not forever. This is your way of getting yourself a break so that you can just breathe in life and figure out who you are. During my really, really, really deep, dark days of depression, I need, like, I can't get out of bed, just, just dead inside, basically. I really started to question, what's my life purpose? I really started to question, like, what am I actually even here for? And I'm sure everybody let's tackle those types of questions and understand where that all comes from as well. And I, long story short, eventually I decided I'm going to be a life coach. I was seeing ads, the commercials, and hearing about what a life coach was. I'd never heard of one before. When I was going to college, I was going with the attention to end up becoming a therapist. <laughs> so, like, okay, it's along the same line, but in the same genre. I must be at the right track with that thing. <laughs> you were helping people. You were definitely helping. Right. Yeah, I was. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I went to a year-long certification program. That in itself is extremely transformational. And then I decided I'm going to start my own business. But I had to have a transition period of transitioning my clients off of me 
because they had an emotional attachment to be. Um, so that was very difficult because some of them respected the boundaries of that type of relationship, but some of them didn't. Some of them really were in love with me and uh, un- unable to detach gracefully. It, it, it's hard because no matter what type of contract or agreement or, you know, whatever it is, we're still dealing with emotions. We're still dealing with energy. So for some, it was pretty cut and dry. But for a lot of them, it was like they had to go through a grieving process. We had to try to separate over a period of time. And that was really hard for me because emotionally, I was already depleted. I had wanted to get out of all of this months ago, but I I kept showing up and I kept hand-holding and I kept putting everybody else's emotions and needs in front of my own. So it was, it was really difficult to get out because I, I cared about these individuals. And um, it was also scary. I mean, that was my quote-unquote bread and butter. And then going to this online world to sell myself. But who the hell am I to help people when... Do you see my track record? Do you see what I just did for the past five years? So that's where like a lot of the shame for myself started to come in where I really struggled to build my business because I'm like, who, who would want to work with me? Everybody's going to find me out, you know? Is that the reason why a lot of people stay in the adult industry? Is it more the shame of leaving or not knowing that they had that emotional attachment. I would say, I mean, it's a few reasons. When, whenever you're in a situation where money is fat and money is easy, it's almost like an addiction. So there's kind of like an addictive aspect to it. And that's why you see so many people who do try to leave, they end up going back. Um, I'd say it's probably similar for people who maybe they're like drug dealers or, or things like that. You try to exit, you try to go the clean way and you live a good life and clean up your act, so to speak. But that, you know, that ease, that addiction and the seduction and the thrill and that kind of calls you back. And then, yeah, I would say it's a shame. I think a lot of people do it for so long and they identify it with so much that, being able to identify as someone or something else is so daunting and scary and just beyond where they're even at that they don't want to even explore it. It becomes an identity for people. Yeah. No. And I'll never forget one of my pastors. He's also a medical doctor. And this was years ago, a hospital was trying to take away. He would do certain things for the hospital and they were trying to take away his privileges and uh, because ultimately the board of the hospital controls the doctors, things like that. And they called him in one time and they threatened to take his credentials to perform surgeries or whatever the case is, practice medicine at that hospital. Okay. And he's like, that's fine. This isn't my identity. And when he said that, when he said it to me, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, you went to school for half your life for, for this. You know, wow. you live, eat, sleep, dream. He said, Joseph, he said, my identity is in Christ. 
Yeah. Identity is not being a dog. Yeah. This is, and when, and you see, the thing is about when things like that is when you realize that your identity is not in something. Okay, yeah. Then that thing has no power over you. We feel that identity. I remember, and I didn't realize this until, you know, probably about five months ago, is when my wife passed away, I felt completely lost. Three kids now have it raise. And of course, my daughter at the time was 10. My son was eight. And then I had the one-year-old. And even though I had a 10 and an eight-year-old, I felt like I was starting all over at, with a six-week-old, like, oh my God, what in the world do I do? You know? And my identity, what I felt part of my identity was wrapped around in her being with me. And then when I eventually started getting into relationships, and this is what we were talking about with the rejection, is when I was having difficulties in a relationship, I felt like I had to have somebody there. I needed somebody in my life because mm-hmm. I was identifying part of my identity was based around somebody being in my life. Yeah. And when we, we split up for a period of time, I had to go to the realization and the healing process of all like, oh my God, God, you're my source. You're my name. Not right. need a female. And when, when I had that revelation, because I was praying and I had that revelation, I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, now I can start to walk in my own healing when something, when a heartbreak does happen. Yeah. Let down, when a rejection, like, okay, my identity is not in my own business. If my business shuts down today, I'm like, okay, it'll be a bummer. <laughs> you know, sure. If we go back to doing something different. But, or start all over, but it's not my identity. Right, right. You know, when you began to discover that, so you're starting to make the transition out, you had emotional attachments to people. What was that like having to leave, not so much breaking the word to them, but breaking it to yourself? Breaking that off that you were no longer, you were leaving a sector of your life. You were leaving a chapter of your life. And all those people that you were emotionally attached to, or even the person you were emotionally attached to, was now going to be gone. How did that transpire for you? That's a great question. Looking back, I know that I used my business and struggling to grow my business as a big distraction to not even have to deal with those emotions and not even have to explore it until years later. I'll reference one person in particular. He was probably who I was the closest with. And he was the one who had the hardest time with me ending our relationship. He would come back into my life in and out over the years. And I think it was him. And by coming out of my life, I mean, he would send me an email on my birthday or on Christmas, or he'd follow me online, or he would just reach out and say things like, you know, I, I still love you and you're the love of my life. I'm never going to be anybody else like you. Just real heartbreaking and heart-wrenching things. And if he didn't do that, I think I would have been able to just 
keep running away and ignoring it. I'm sure it would pop up eventually in my life. But because we kept doing that, I had to deal with those emotions. I had to deal with the memories. I had to deal with it being to myself that, I mean, it was hard for me to admit that, yet I did also love these individuals. I had a bit ego, a big pride around, no, I'm good. I'm leaving this industry. I'm on the straight now path. I'm going to be like a good person now. I, I, you know, I didn't need them. It's sad that they still miss me, but it is what it is. I really had this big protective wall because I didn't want to admit that, yeah, I've loved them too. Yeah, I got a lot of needs met from those relationships. I was connected to them. I felt safe with them. So if he hadn't done that, I would have just keep running from those emotions. But because he kept coming in in my life, uh, I would feel sad. I would grieve. I would get very angry. Just kind of like going through those seven stages of healing. And today, I would say I'm at peace with it. Today, I'm able to look back and see where those relationships were so healing and so eye-opening and transformational. Not for all of us, but for for many of them. And I wouldn't be able to sit that space if I didn't go through just that journey of grief, anger, acceptance, you know. So once once you got to that, now you've you've already made that decision. I want to be a life coach. Okay. Now, what made you want to jump back into what you had originally started off with in terms of wanting to go to college and be a therapist, things like that, knowing that you had just lived this life for the past five years? What made you want to go back into that? Was there a healing transformation that was already taking place? Was it God stirring up things in your life all over again? You know, because I believe that once seed is sown, once it's planted, it's, it's there. It's there, you know, no matter how much we try to squash it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a few things. Um, way back in, when I was in high school, what I thought I was going to do, is I thought I was going to go, uh, I was going to go to art school and I was going to become a graphic designer. I was told many times by my parents and other influences, that's not how you make money. You're, you know, you're not going to get anywhere in life with that. You need to do something like sales or marketing or this or that. There's no way I was going to become a doctor or lawyer at that point. So, (laughs) Um, and that really triggered me because again, I grew up with a struggling single mom. I did not, I didn't want to put myself through that. I didn't want to live a life of struggle. Like that was painful enough. So, um, that's kind of how, when I did actually go to school, I settled on the idea of, of going to therapy because I had started going to therapy at that time. It it was really eye-opening for me. I've always been that, just that go-to person where even strangers will tell me secrets or ask my advice or, so I knew there had to be something to that. And then when I was again, just doing that deep inner healing work and asking, like, like, what do you want from me, God? Like, what, what, what am I even here for? And 
I just was kind of connecting the dots and seeing that I have this healing nature and I do love helping people in that way. So that's what kind of triggered the life coach path. Because at that point, let me tell you, I was not going to go back to college. I did not have the discipline. I would probably have a discipline today, but I didn't have the discipline back then. So, um, yeah. So you, when you started to, when you, the thought of life coaching, you were now having all the shame, all the guilt, all the trauma, the emotional trauma that was resurfacing back up when you started now, like, how am I going to be able to tell when I even struggle with that at times too, you know, um, because I'm no therapist. Okay. I just, uh, you know, lost my dad, my wife, you know, the same months, uh, dealt with, you know, family, you know, rejection, beatings, abuse, verbally, physically, mentally, you know, thank God, no sexual abuse, but I know people out there that have, how did you start to combat the shame at the same time of developing your business, your life coach? Yeah. It's interesting what I ended up doing. I, I'll, I'll just reference this too. So, um, I was raised Christian, but I, as, as I like, to put it, I cut myself off from God and I cut myself off from Jesus around high school. I just, I wasn't having it. I wasn't believing in it. I wasn't connected. And it wasn't until two years ago now that I came back to, to walk with Christ. So, and I'm, and I just couldn't be more blessed to come back to that. So to answer your question, start becoming a life coach, really shamed, feeling guilty, feeling like I'm a bad person, started exploring the whole like metaphysical kind of stuff, the psychic stuff, the real woo-woo stuff, got really into that for a while. And that's how I actually built my life coaching practice is I ended up becoming this, this, <laughs> this spiritual coach where I was teaching people things that I vehemently don't believe in anymore. I was teaching them just <sighs> all of these things about like other beings and psychic gifts and just a lot of stuff that, you know, I absolutely don't really believe in anymore at all. But that was my way of trying to, like, clean up my past and be good and be clean and sovereign and whole and, like, make amends. That was my, like, weird, twisted way of trying to make amends. Yeah, I, I did. Um, I had a few events happen where it was just eye-opening to me. I felt like I was leading people in the wrong direction. I felt like I was lying to myself. And I closed the doors on my practice for a while to go back and go within and figure out, like, this is this is not right. I'm leading myself and other people astray. Um, so I didn't coach for a while. I actually did uh, marketing consulting and copywriting. Started walking with Christ again, and then eventually opened my coaching doors again. And that's where focusing on 
what I focus on now, which is, you know, as you know, and as we were talking about earlier, everything's holistic. So I work with a lot of entrepreneurs on marketing, growing their business, but the conversations we have behind closed doors end up about mindset, shame, putting yourself out there, accepting yourself, all of that good easy stuff. So for the listeners, what, if they're, if they're transitioning or they're in the middle of something that they just feel shameful because trauma, all trauma leads to shame, every bit of it. Yeah. Completely healed. No, but whether it's a relationship that they've had, whether it's a profession, you know, the guilt and the shame from moving from where they're at, what would, what piece of advice would you get if they feel stuck or if they're not really sure what they go with? They just feel like life's beat them down with all the shame that they, they've been hitting with themselves. What would be a piece of advice you could give them right now? Mm. I'm going to actually give them a piece of actionable advice. This is something that you could do today. And it's going to sound, depending on where you're at, really scary and really intimidating, but it, it will transform your life. And it's something called mirror work. And it's, it, it, it is a little bit of work, but it's quite literally staring yourself in the eye, in the mirror, and just like, just start talking to yourself. Just start that dialogue of being honest with yourself, of getting what's in your head out there. Because that way, you're, you're not being controlled by your, by your feelings and your thoughts anymore. You're creating an honest, transparent connection with yourself. And you'll start to realize and go down that path of, the emotions that you need to let go of, the thoughts that you need to let go of, seeing yourself differently. I mean, it it quite literally will happen naturally. It's very uncomfortable and very unusual. But once you let yourself go like that with yourself, <laughs> you'll start to say things that you need to hear, like those nurturing, loving affirmations that the traumatic side of you is just longing for and needing to to hear in order to let go and to heal you're gonna hear things come out of your mouth that have been in your head for years and then once you actually hear it you go oh wait that's that's not who i am at all or that's not true at all or it you'll have those revelations that'll just just help you get the get the trauma out and get the energy moving so when you start to do that like you're not going to stay stuck anymore. That's powerful. And, and, and I can, I can testify to that because I always, because of the rejection that I dealt with from my father, which didn't well, send into, you know, relationships. And then even when I got married, I didn't have rejection, but it was, it, I was never healed from it either. Yeah. And so let me take that back. It's not that I didn't have rejection. The rejection didn't come full fledged where I labeled it rejection. Um, but yet there were things that my wife would do by like her, like I had an issue. I had this growing up because of always the tension, the turmoil in our house, but yet my mom and dad traveling on the road all the time for business. I always had to tell my mom, I love her, 
when I got off the phone mm-hmm. or when she was leaving the house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause I was always afraid of the fear of losing her. Yeah. She, my wife, my mom passed away, uh, just a few months after I was married, I got married. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then I pushed that right onto my wife. You know, mm-hmm. it was the fear and the rejection of what happens if something happens and she doesn't say, I love you. So I would get mad and upset if she didn't say, I love you. Yeah. Okay. Because I felt the rejection. Yeah. Even though my wife wasn't making, she wasn't the one doing it. It was something that I had painted in my own mind. But I didn't realize I really still had rejection issues until after my wife passed away. And I put myself out there. I remember the first time I started, I was flirtatious with uh, a young lady and I connected with her on Instagram. And then one day she messaged me and says, don't ever talk to me again. And every bit of rejection, every bit of that feeling came rising up inside of me. And I'm like, I mean, I, I thought I was going to have to like leave work. I remember exactly where I was at, what I was doing and the feeling that rose up inside of me. And it was months later when I was talking to a friend of mine and they're like, Joseph, you're a handsome guy. And I'm like, huh? And they're like, yeah, you're handsome. And I'm like, you think so? Like, I didn't even believe that about myself. Now, I didn't go around having somebody saying you're an ugly guy. You know, right. um, I was nerdy when I was a kid. I had, you know, Coke bottle glasses. And so that probably stemmed over to a lot of just, you know, I yeah. painted my own picture of what rejection was. So yeah. girl said, no, well, it must be because of my looks or it must be right. my glasses or it must be because of my clothes. Like I started to paint my own picture. And when I had this friend of mine tell me this, I happened to be standing in my house in front of a mirror. And right when she said it, and I had her repeat it a couple of times. Like, are you sure? Like, are you talking to me? And I'm like, you know what? I am handsome. And I looked straight in the mirror and said it, not even realizing what I was doing, not even realizing I was doing mirror work. Okay. And not to be, not to be um, graphic here, but every morning I would walk across that mirror completely butt naked. And I would say, golly, I'm the sexiest man alive. Yes. And I would do that and I would do that not because I have an ego, because the only person I ever had to prove it to was myself. Right, right. Bingo. Yep. Only had to prove it to me. And yep. once I proved it to me, I mean, I don't know why GQ magazine hasn't called me, you know, <laughs> you know, but I can walk around with confidence believing that, you know, I am a good looking guy. I am attractive. I am this. I'm. I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I'm witty. I'm funny. You know, even if people don't laugh at my jokes, I laugh. That's the only thing that matters. Okay. But it was crazy. So just to give our listeners a little, a test, you know, a testimony about the mirror work is it works. It, it, It absolutely works. And it's just a matter of, and where I didn't know where to start is I just started at that moment. I'm like, man, I look, I, I started off with, I am handsome. And then I went to, man, I look good. I'm like, golly, I'm sexy. I'm the sexiest man alive. Yeah. And I remember telling that to people like, oh, you're just egotistical. No, I'm like, I don't have anything to prove to anybody. It's just me. And so now I have actually things written on my mirror. Okay. I am love. I am joy. I am peace. I am gentleness. I am long suffering. I am patient. You know? all those things, you know, and then I am the greatest of these, which is love. You know, I have that written on my mirror at, at my house. Every morning I go into, or, you know, my, my mirror, my main bathroom, 
And I see these things and I read these things because I know that I also operate in my own flesh at times and I get angry with the kids or I want to yell or I get upset while driving. I'm just like, I am love. Let me operate in that. Yeah. I am joy. Let me operate in that. So for the listeners that, that are out there and when you listen to the recording is go home and do that. You've got a mirror everywhere. You got a mirror on your phone. It's called a camera. You got a mirror in your car. It's a rear view one. Okay. All right. You got a sun, a sun visor mirror. You, ladies, you got a, at least three mirrors in your purse. <laughs> yes, right? yes. And one in the glove box and one in the center console and probably about eight of them underneath the back seat. Okay. Along with all the other makeup that you've lost. There's a mirror somewhere. Practice it. Start speaking things. And, and, to begin with, and you, you can help me out on this, Jennifer, is just start speaking to begin with. Speak the things that you have said, the lies that you've said over yourself. I'm ugly. I'm fat. I, I don't, I'm not worth it. Because the, when you start to say those things, you'll, you'll understand how ridiculous it sounds to say something like, I'm ugly. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not. I'm good looking. Now, I may have to say I'm good looking 10 times to start believing myself. But think about the things that you know is an absolute lie. And right. I always like to follow it up is, is that the truth or is that a lie? Is that right. based off of somebody else making me feel a certain way? Because you are beautiful. You are good looking. You're made in the image of Christ, whether you want to believe it or not. Okay. Right. Right. Um, you know, God created us to produce. God created us to be wealthy and prosperous. God created us to be healthy right. and exuberant and confident individuals. You know, we have that ability. So I didn't mean to jump on that w- with you, but I wanted to let our listeners know this is something that absolutely works. And I'm glad that you did describe it because I never even thought of it as mirror work, but it's something I've been doing for a while now. Yeah. No, I, I'm so happy that you shared all that. Like what a beautiful, powerful testimony. Like it, it does. And, and like you're saying, it's uncomfortable sometimes. You're not used to it. But you will understand how ridiculous some of these things are. And you're taking your power back. All those thoughts, they were created by somebody that said it or an experience you had when you were six years old. Or it, none of it's you. It's all just these made-up lives and made-up stories that are controlling you. And that's not what we're here to do. We're not here to be controlled by negativity and trauma and past experiences so you have to step out of you to become more of you and and just like you're saying you know take it one step further is this true and sometimes you might think yeah this is true yes i am whatever it is like i am ugly does it have to be true no do I want it to be true? No. Okay, so what do I have to do for this to not be true? What can I say that's the opposite of this? What can I say that I want to believe is true instead? And again, like doing that in the mirror, because some people, it will teach you to do this, like with a journal. And you can start with that. But literally looking yourself and having that face-to-face dialogue will just speed up that transformation tenfold. 
And I like the fact of writing things down because when you do, you can always go back and look where the transition happens yeah. where you're talking negative all the time about how your day was to now start reflecting on how great things are. I'm, I'm yeah. glad that I can wake up in the morning, you know, regardless if it's raining point, I have to work outside that day or not work outside, you know? Yeah. Um, so oh, Jennifer, I mean, you coach people on mindset, you coach people in the market and things like that, but regardless of marketing, regardless of how great you can ultimately build a business, it all boils down to mindset. Yeah. No. When it comes to building a mindset, how, let me take that back. How, how detrimental is the mind behind everything that we do in life? At mind in terms of how we think about ourselves, how we think about other people, how we think about what we can or cannot do. 100% detrimental. Absolutely. As much as, um, you know, we are not our thoughts, we are not our mind, right? But we're using our mind 24 7, 65 to create or not create what we want in life or what we feel that we're here for. So it is, I mean, it is extremely detrimental, 100%. I don't care if you're just getting started. Or you think you're the most successful person on the planet, you still have to keep cultivating the mindset that'll help you grow and change and identify as, like speaking of identity, identify as who you who you really want to be and who you believe that best version of yourself is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the thing like Limiting beliefs, limiting beliefs can go in so many different directions. It can go in aspect of business. It can go in the aspect of relationships. You know, I know for me, it's affected me in so many areas of my life. Yeah. It's affected me in relationships because of my father putting so much, like I was always drawn to his attention for, for his approval so much. And yet his words had so much power over me. You know, yeah. I was never smart enough because an A minus was not good enough. Should have been an A plus, you know, then I started getting into sports and really studying sports. And I was getting my dad, oh, my dad, my son knows about this baseball player and this football player. And then one day it came was like, well, if you would apply yourself in school, like you do your sports, you'd be a straight A student. So here came all that rejection, you know, and it was one thing after another that, that, that just triggered down for me in terms of. I remember the first time I got rejected by asking a girl out. The rejection from that felt the same exact as a rejection from my father, you know? And because the feeling was the same, I tied the two to two together. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I had already had so much of it from my father and I despised the feeling of rejection. Then it, it stemmed into money finances and trying to make sales. And when people said, no, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to know why, because it comes all the way back to my dad. So then I created a belief system that if I was afraid of the word, no, in any aspect of my life, I would make an excuse around it. You know, I wouldn't go to clubs as a young person, mainly because I was born and raised in church and I didn't do a lot of that. But even when I was a young Marine, I didn't go out and I would say, oh no, it's against my beliefs or no, I just, you know, I don't drink or whatever the case is, which was all true, but I would use those things to keep from having 
being, you know, put in a position to ask a girl out at a club or a bar or whatever the case is because of the fear of no. Yeah. You know, yeah. I would stop sales jobs because the moment I got the word no, it brought all those memories back to me. And I remember, and this is, this is the power of limiting beliefs. I remember back in 2003, I was getting out or I just got back, recall back into the Marine Corps. So it's probably 2003, 2004 timeframe. I wanted to buy into my own gym franchise. Okay. Got approved for it. Had an investor, the investor backed out on me. And a friend of mine told me, non-related to the gym industry, non-related to fitness whatsoever. And he said, Joseph, why don't you start a turnkey, a 24-hour access gym? My first words out of my mouth, because I, was, I would make the excuse because of limiting belief system that it would not work before I ever tried to make it work. Yeah. And I would talk myself out of it before I ever talked myself in it. Okay. You know, and I said, no. Insurance will never approve a gym that people can access 24 hours a day because of liability reasons, because what happens if somebody gets hurt? Now, that was 2003. Planet Fitness, Anytime Fitness, Snap Fitness, 24, none of those existed. They weren't even thought of at that moment. But I go, it goes all the way back to the rejection I had with my dad, to the rejection I had with females, to the rejection I had with money, to create a limiting belief system within myself. That I say I miss my multi-million dollar, you know, profession or, you know, or even billion dollar industry because I could have created it. Who knows? But it was all because of a limiting belief system because I didn't have the mindset at that time to move forward with life. And, and listen, that even stemmed into, I didn't settle in terms of finding my wife, but I, I felt at 25 years old, I'm like, Man, I'm getting old. My brother, my sister was married at 17. My brother at, my younger sister at 19, I think. And my brother at 21. Okay. And I'm like, I'm way past the curve. I better take the next person that'll even give me the time of day. <laughs> I did. I, I did. You know, but even after my wife passed away, again, there was limiting beliefs. The belief of rejection, the, the, the limited mindset came right back up in Oh, she's attractive. Oh, she's way out of your league. Because I didn't believe it within myself. I was still shaming myself from the trauma I dealt with as a kid. You know, and I just want to encourage the listeners out there that, you know, what Jennifer has gone through is, 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 is very identical to what a lot of us have gone through. You know, the rejection, the shame, the emotional trauma, the emotional attachment, um, the heartbreak, okay? The feeling of needing approval, the abandonment, you know, everything stemming back from her mom and then even her dad. A lot of us, if not the majority of us that listen, have gone through some of those things. It's caused some sort of pain, neglect, trauma in our life, shame. Okay. But you're looking at or you're listening to two individuals that have taken the pain that we've suffered in life and found a purpose to it. And that's not only just to help other people. But more importantly, because we can't help other people unless we're helping ourselves. Right. You know, yeah. the true reality and the power of people like Jennifer and myself is we're figuring this out along the way while sharing it along the way. Yeah. You know, would you agree to that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's people that are listening. It's like we are just a micro step ahead of you. We're not even a full step. We're 
one micro step ahead of you. I don't have my foot off the ground yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I see sometimes people could, people who are intimidated putting themselves out there online could hear a conversation between you and I and, and think that we are just miles ahead of you. It's like, no, baby, like we're, we're all in the same boat. We're all on the same journey. We're just sharing it to help you grow alongside us as we grow. Absolutely. That, that's a great way to put it. We're, we're not miles ahead of anybody, you know, and, uh, and I guarantee other people will say they're not miles ahead of us, you, you, you know, right, I right. Mean, people that have been doing it for 30 or 40 years, you know, they may have a couple more books read than I have. They, they may, you know, jumped on, you know, most people that are ever at a point of quote unquote, being ahead of somebody, they just started just a tad bit sooner. That was it. They took advantage yep. of you know, I, I mean, Gary, v, Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V says it all the time. He says, I just happened to jump on YouTube when there was only like 15 YouTubers. Yeah. You know, yeah, and he yeah. says, I just kept on doing the same thing every single day. He's like, I didn't have a view. I didn't have nobody chiming in, nobody subscribing for over a year before somebody saw one of his wine videos. And it just went, yeah. it just led to it, to led to it, led to it, you know? Um, and so, you know, we are not way ahead of anybody out there. We're actually encouraging people. If I can lift anybody up above me and be on my shoulders to stand and look, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to pay my way as much as I can. And hey, if you can take the axe or the bulldozer and knock down some trees, then by God, do it. Jennifer, tell me a little bit about your coaching business. Tell the listeners about what you're doing and how you're you're creating and helping them through the mindset that if somebody wanted to reach out to you, what they can expect from your coaching. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, right now a huge check of my focus is with women entrepreneurs and getting rid of the shape around making money online or going to that next level of business growth. I work with all types of creative entrepreneurs uh, but lately, right now, the majority of people that are coming to me are women entrepreneurs who are stuck, scared to go to that next level because of issues with shame, because of shame that they have around money. There's a lot of mindset issues. Um, and anybody that's listening to this right now, wherever you are in your business, whether you're just thinking about it or you're, you've got everything on lock and by taking the next level, but you're a little scared or plateaued. I am sure if you just kind of take a um, microscope, you're going to see some shape showing up in how you're talking about your offers, how you're pricing your offers, how you're marketing yourself, how honest you're being in your communication with your audience, um, the thing that you're putting off that you're. I don't have time to do live streams or I don't have time to do this or, you know, this is working well enough already. I'm not going to take a microscope and you'll probably find out if I really look at what is going on here, it's probably related to some shape because we have been not just from our own individual experiences, but society and culture and this and that we have been programmed that it is negative to be wealthy and continue to be wealthy. It's greedy. 
Uh, you put yourself out there online. It's selfish. It, there's all of these things that even if you've grown past them, you still got to keep growing past them. So a lot of my work right now um, with my one-on-one clients, and I will be starting a group program here soon, it's really diving deep into that hard wiring around money beliefs and shame and just taking it to the next level while we release all of that. That's powerful. I mean, you know, I didn't realize when I, I was always scared to death. I, you know, I own my own business training dogs. And of course, it's taking money over the phone. And well, I, I didn't realize like how uncomfortable I felt for asking people until I was made to do it. I'm like, man, I, I don't know. I would try right. to talk my way out of them being on the phone with me, trying to give a credit card over the phone because I felt like a scammer. Yeah. So I was pressuring them like a, a car salesman that never leaves you alone kind of thing. Yeah. But ultimately everything was built around the shame of talking about money because it always sent back to hearing the word no. Yeah. Yep. It, it's, it has ruled my life. And I will tell you this to the listeners. If you have something like that, like what Jennifer was talking about, where you can honestly sit there and say, why are you not doing something? What's stopping you from making the video? Well, I just don't have time. Well, there's 24 hours in a day, no matter what race you are, no matter what color or, you know, demographic you are, uh, monetary, it, it doesn't matter. We all have the same 24 hours. Okay. We can create the time. How do you create the time? Take one thing off your plate. Stop watching TV. Stop surfing the internet. Stop YouTube or whatever the case is, you know. But it's those things right there where we can sit there and self-evaluate and be like, why am I saying all these things? Because Jennifer, I was the king of excuses. I was the king of procrastination because I always said I had to have it perfect. I was a perfectionist. And perfectionist stems to one thing, fear. The fear of somebody saying it's not right. The fear of somebody else could have done it better, which stems to one. Rejection. So then see that trauma and that shame, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And just, you know, bringing it back to what, what you said earlier, what you have written on your mirror, like, I am love. You know, I am the definition of love. I am a product of love. Okay, the opposite of fear is love. I know it's easy to talk about these things much more than it is to these things but if you really focus on that um i mean the the thing that motivates me a lot of the times to push through my fears or my resistance is the fact that i don't want to be controlled <laughs> you got to find what your motivation is my motivation is i don't want to be controlled and what's fear is showing up that fear is controlling me and i don't want to be controlled by fear so you could, you know, find what motivates you and just remember that the opposite of fear is love. Anything you're resisting, those whispers that you're hearing, those ideas that you're having, those synchronicities, the things you're noticing, the things you're thinking about, it's all a sign that you need to do it. You need to move past the fear and quit letting it control you. And again, it's, it takes practice and it's easier said than done, but... 
Find what will motivate you to move past that because it's uncomfortable, but there's only love on the other side. There's only goodness to be on the other side. Yeah. Jennifer, I want to ask you a question. We hear the phrase purpose through pain. What does that mean to you? I love it. I, I really do. I love it so much because... It, 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 it explains the reason for pain. You know, when we think about um, why we're here and all this work that we do to live a good life and get over our fears and be love and create a better planet, you can look and say, well, what is the purpose of pain then? Why do we need to have it to find purpose? To really connect with purpose and any of the pain, just like like you, Joseph, like me, like so many people listening, amazing guests that you've had on. I say ninety nine point nine percent of us have all found our purpose because of or going through our pain. So I love it. You know the premise of purpose through pain. It's based off of the scripture in Hebrews 4.15, where it says, for we have not a high priest who can't be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Think about what we go through. And I want the listeners to really take grasp of this. There are things that we can't control that happen to us. Okay. I couldn't control being as a young kid. Okay. I had no control of that. There might be people in here that have gone through sexual Verbal abuse, rape, be a victim of you know, certain, certain circumstances, and you had no control over those things. Okay. Even if you tried to say that you did, there's more likely a chance that you did. Okay. But I want you to think about the pain that you go through, whether it's failures in business, whether it, you feel like a failure in life, transitioning in life in different uh, professions. We can't touch what we cannot feel. I don't know what it's like to go through a divorce. I don't know what it's like to go to lose a child. I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes, Jennifer, to have those emotional connections, you know, that you had where it kept on being drug out because somebody would leave you alone. No. But I know what it's like to lose my mom when I wished it was my dad. I know what it's like to watch my brother go through a very affordable divorce, you know, my sister to lose her son and then to lose my dad, which ended up dying my best friend. Okay. And then losing my wife 22 days later, I take those things. And even though it hurts and even though it doesn't feel good, and even though there's, there's things that have come up in my life that I didn't realize were unresolved issues and trauma and guilt and shame is I'm able to take that pain that I've gone through personally to be able to reach out and minister and touch and share and encourage and inspire and motivate and help mold and, and, and transform people that have gone through this. You know, and so listeners, I, I just encourage you to reach out to Jennifer. Her website is the Jennifer Neal. It's N E E L.com. The Jennifer Neal.com. Reach out to her, you know, not only is she a great individual, because we've been chatting back and forth on, uh, on social media for a little while now, but you've heard it from her mouth about her struggles, about her pain, about her guilt, her shame, her trauma. 
you know, instead of becoming a victim of her circumstances, of her dad not being in the picture, her mom leaving, you know, instead of living the mentality of a victim, even though she made decisions that didn't line up with, you know, a powerful mindset, she eventually changed her mindset. And I have this saying right here, it says, change your mindset, change your world. You're listening to an individual that changed her world because she changed her mindset. And you can do the same exact thing. Don't hesitate to reach out to Jennifer. It's the Jennifer Neal, N-E-E-L dot com. She's got an amazing coaching program, you know, and I've been sneaking around on her social media and, and kind of listening to some stuff and paying attention to some stuff. So I'm really loving it myself. And um, just be able to sit there and talk to her is very encouraging to me because I know there's things that I can still work on, especially when it comes to just leaving a more powerful mindset. So Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm it's such an honor to be able to have you, to, to listen to you. Um, I think this was just an awesome little free flowing uh, recording here. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I write back to you. I'm so happy we connected. I'm so grateful to be a part of your online community because there's plenty of things you're doing and saying that inspire me. And yeah, again, anybody that's listening, please don't hesitate to reach out. Even if you don't think we, you want to work with me, if you just need to share something or you have a question, my email's on my website. There's plenty of ways to get in contact with me on my website. So please don't hesitate to reach out at all. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to finding true freedom and breakthrough.